This is Richard Wilson speaking. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. Hello, Footers and Gravers, and welcome to a special episode of One Foot in the Podcast. Having been blessed over the last few years with some of the stars of the show of the pod, including those behind the camera, I'm really thrilled to be welcoming another actor associated with One Foot in the Grave. Although, hang on a minute, here he is now. Where the hell have you been? We did say Wednesday, didn't we? So I'm a wrinkly, crinkly, but don't shed a tear. I'm not exactly a little old here. One thing for sure, I'm still bloody well here. One foot in the grave. Uh, one foot in the grave. Uh, one foot in the grave. Hello? Welcome, Jonathan Kidd. Thank you very oh, much for joining me. Oh, oh. I do apologise. I've got a really rather naff background. I'm going to change it, actually. I'm going to yeah, change something more uh, relaxing rather than football. It's a Chelsea background. Who's that? Sorry, that's... Um, Marcus Alonso. Who Alonso. Left he's he's left, left, yeah. Oh, that's... Oh, he's got, he's got the... Chippy Joe is somewhere in the Bahamas. I don't yeah, know where that yeah, could be. Yeah, he's, uh... With all the amount of money that he made doing all those crap jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for come on to the podcast it's it's amazing to have another one foot in the grave actor on you know you played your part you were there from the very beginning in the first series and you returned to a completely separate character i was almost a third character in the special which special uh the one that peter cook was in oh one foot in the Elgov. oh yeah. t- t- tell me about that i didn't not not too sure i, I was almost played I pl- almost played his character i wouldn't Four oh. separate interviews for it, and they suddenly decided to get him. I, w- I was almost cast in it. I don't know why I have to say I was cast in that role at the time. I think I'd been, I, my profile was slightly large, and I've been in a couple of tellies in some way. I don't know. I never know how the, the minds of casting directors work, but um, they uh, they kept getting me in to read for it. And then uh, I kept thinking, I'm not quite sure why I'm up for this. I thought they'd get a star. I almost invented the fact that they then got a star to do it, you know, but. but uh, <laughs> So you were almost Martin Trout, which I had to think of the name there. Yeah, no, well so, done, well done. Yes, I'm afraid it, it's faded me, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's no, um, it's nothing to beat yourself up about being pipped to the post by someone like Peter. Cook, no, 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 but, but I, I know I'm, I'm never beat myself up about. It, but at the time, no. I was always yeah, it's be involved in these things. Of course, you, know, you always think it may then um, do something to your career that uh, hadn't happened before, which inevitably it would have done because all of these things lead on. One thing leads on to another, you know. I mean, having said that, though, I don't think that playing Chippy Joe particularly got me any other carpenter parts. I mean, my, <laughs> my, my, my dad was a my dad was a well known actor, and I know for a fact that he would the era he was in there were many less actors around, and if he'd play a carpenter, he'd then be cast as another carpenter about three weeks later, just because that was the kind of way that casting directors looked at things. They he was in it, we'll do that. He can play one of them, you know. So yeah, you also have Sam Kidd, isn't he? He's, been, right, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. accomplished at the Dad's Army, Dick Emery. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Masses of Harry Worth, masses of uh, he played a character called Orlando as well, who was in Crane, which he did um <clears throat> about 39 episodes of that. And uh, that was he was one of the, the lead characters in that. And yeah. uh Terry Adrian did a huge number. There was a wonderful series called Shadow Squad, he kept being in, which was a police series of the 50s, <laughs> and he was in eleven Dixon of Doc Greens playing um different villains. Uh, okay. The villain, or the vil- villain with the heart of gold, he always played, and he was very lucky because he was um, born in Belfast, so he played 
You could play people like that, play characters like that, but you also play characters on it as well. You know, <laughs> the reality was that he actually didn't speak. He spoke like me. It, it was just a couple of characters that he created in the same way that Chippy Joe, I think you may have noticed, you know, is, isn't quite my accent. You know, I was playing Chippy Joe like that, you know. You've had those voice actor work over, over the years of Paddington Bear, Mr. Bean Animation, which my Most daughter, yeah, my daughter. 30, 30 characters in the last one, yeah. Then I, 30? 30 different characters, yeah. Oh, my God. So, which, so... Mr. Bean Animation is on daily in our house. Before I had kids, I, I didn't really, I'd, I'd seen Mr. Bean Animation, but I'd come to really love it, especially compared to all the other kids' stuff. And when I found that out, I was really trying to listen out for your voice. Of course, I, I can't really, because you can do so many, so it's hard to pinpoint well, it, lots who's... of them, are, it's just little bits, you know, you do little bits, somebody go... Grunts um, and stuff. Um, Rowan Atkinson, who I never met or worked with, it's just the, you're doing the lines around his, his, um, his character, and you'll just say, he's over there, he went over there. I recognise that, yeah. <laughs> and, and and other things like like, like um, uh, there's a bloke who's and I, and I think when he goes into the he loses his loses his teddy in a in a big uh, um, department <laughs> store. So and I'm playing as a security guard, as a security guard. Come back here, watch the with you. You know, it's it's it's, <laughs> that's, it's that's all on those kind of cat and bird watchers and one line single lines and yeah and teachers and uh, who've got a little scene there, you know. Excuse me, you might get put a bit of accent on, you know. Hey, hello, them, it's just it, it you it gives it a bit of colour, you know. They ask you to do stuff. I think I played some some quite large characters in some of the episodes. Uh, so there's there's some big heavies, and then there's a big um, yeah yeah. I think um, I played some heavies, and I played a um, one chap who's having a competition over skydiving with. I played I played him. Uh, right, I've seen all the episodes so many times. I did at the same time. I was doing um uh, Noddy Toyland Detective, and I was playing Biggies. Biggers has a kind of sort of voice similar, like with a kind of slightly older voice. Hello, Noddy. Oh. Playing a robot. <laughs> it just, it, it's any opportunity to to, to wheel out your, uh, you know, the, the 10 characters that you can do, you know. So you did, did you just discover quite a young age that you had that talent for putting on voices? Yeah. Is that how David discovered you? Did he see you in doing something or other with voice work? Uh, or no, no, your agent, you do stuff and your agent puts your reel forward, you know. Right. If you've if you've been, you know, I've got. Uh, I'm no longer with them as an agency, but there was a agency called Another Tongue. They they've got all your reels, and it's all on the website, and they they'll push you for stuff, and then you have yeah. an audition. You have an audition, and and if they like what you do, then I'd work with somebody. There was a guy called Tim Searle who was a producer, and I'd work with him on a on a an animation for football animation that was only ended up on Channel Four, and. Yeah. Uh, ITV4, I should say. Um, because he was a producer I worked with, he got me in to do stuff. And then you, that's what I said about things leading on. You do mm. stuff and people say, we well, could play that and you could do that. You just... Word gets around and stuff, also yeah. part of it is that you, you, you're not rocking the boat and you're quite fun to work with. You know, my dad <laughs> had the same thing. He worked a lot. He was in a nice guy, you know, and you do it quickly and you do it competently. And I suppose that's what you try and... Yeah. Really, but yeah, no, I I worked out that I could do silly voices when I was um uh when I was you know in school really it was so kind of about you know so it's like easy laugh you know so nineteen ninety then or probably nineteen eighty nine how 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 are you approached for the show? Obviously, you're an agent, but what was that first meeting like with Susie Susie Belbin? Susie Belbin, yeah. yeah. What was that like? Uh, What's uh... Uh, the one we're playing the stallholder? You so mean? you're yeah, so you're yeah. you're just stallholder, aren't you? In the Valley of yeah, Fear, yeah. yeah. Um, a very nice woman, terrific yeah. director, lovely, read for it, got it. Richard Wilson was fantastic. Richard Wilson was really lovely, friendly man. Worked, the scene worked really well, did it a couple of times, you know. It's that when it goes well, 
it's fine. I remember we did yeah. that. Got criticised for that final look when the gun is in the uh, in the bag. I remember. Um, <laughs> did you? Uh, who 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 criticised you? Was it? Oh, various you? people have on on um, Facebook have sent me notes saying, "Oh, even when I had it up, saying you know, very over the top, destroyed the performance." Some bloke put, you know, you think, oh, okay, but I thought it was, you know, I was told by Susie, I think, say, can... give give us a look and big close up. Let's have a look at you seeing <laughs> the gun and looking across, you know. So I did. You give them several. You know, I think you, I, I'd, I'd, I'd look like that if I saw someone with a, you just threatened me and had a gun in their bag. Yeah, I'd look pretty yeah, completely. It was an earliest job in my acting career. Um, I'd been in Cat's Whiskers. I'd been in uh, Cat's Whiskers, Cat's Eyes was with, um, what was her name? Um, married to uh, Chapman, the footballer. Oh, Chapman. Lee Chapman. Lee Chapman? Yeah, Lee Chapman's wife. Um, um, oh, she's a memory badly. Leslie Ash. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'd been, uh, I'd done a, I'd played a, a dustman in the know, a villainous dustman, and she was great. She was fantastic. Lovely to work with her. Nice scene with that. What else had I done? I'd done several, several of the minders, I think, were around about the same time. I saw that. You, uh, you mind, yeah. Yeah. Three, three minders. And so it was on a kind of role, but I was also playing playing characters but like that, you know which was peculiar but was just the way my agent was selling me because they were trying to sell me um as being my dad really that and that right was, that but i had a lot of difficulty when i initially went up for interviews at that stage of my career because um directors would say i'm terribly sorry we were looking for a cockney we thought you were a cockney and i'd say yeah i'll do the accent for you when i read it but because they wanted the real thing my agent then said to me at the time look i think you should go to some of these interviews go go and speak like when you go in speak like that he, she, he said Thank you. <laughs> no problem yeah. But obviously, Susie, having worked with me before, just offered me the part of Chippy Joe. Is that what you were saying, wasn't it, about you made a good impression, they wanted you yeah. back? But yeah. in, when you're a market stallholder person, I felt you had an air of Del Boy in, your, in that scene in the Valley of Fear. Was Del Boy, along with your own talent, of course, was that any kind of influence? Because by the no, by I 19... hadn't specifically uh, decided to play it like him. It may have been that I've, you know, admired what he'd done, so yeah. watched it. Watch to watch the program regularly. So perhaps I'd yeah. taken it on. I don't. I don't know. There was a touch of that, possibly. Uh, um, when I think I say the line, "Well, you're a bit of a comedian, aren't you?" I think I say in that. Yeah, one. you yeah. do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's made to measure. It fits yeah, like yeah, a glove. Yeah. You know, it's all that kind yeah. of spiel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps that's an echo of listening, seeing um, David Jason, and then and, and and aping him. You know, if you, I think it can stay with you. Some of these things, if you see that kind of performance. But no, I'm yeah. You look at the look at the script and think. You know, there's there's some nice lines in this. Let's just make it flow and uh, create the character. You know, make him uh, make him a jolly chap. You know, and he's um, he's flogging stuff, some of which he knows has probably been ripped off. So you know, because you were involved in the show from the very first series, obviously one foot in the grave just progressed and developed yeah. and became like one of the great sitcoms, in my opinion. Because you were there from the start, did you sort of did you feel that connection? Because obviously you returned in series three, and it ran for another few series and specials did you become a, a bigger fan as anyone or did you see it as oh, i love oh, i, I loved it, was, it but I, it was I, I was just a job i thought it was wonderful but no i i didn't I, I didn't um i didn't think how fantastic look i'm in the great one foot in the grave i just thought that's you know that's a good yeah. job it's a nice yeah. series oh it's doing very well that would be nice so i mean but a part of me was thinking um at the time you think how could i get back and be in it as a regular but you can't because you've just been a stall holder so uh unless they they find something for you to play, but um, that wasn't on the cards at the time. So you know, I suppose I, um, as Chippy Joe, the Meldries have given you that nickname, your character that nickname, so that you've obviously been involved in their lives before to be, to yeah, be yeah, called Chippy yeah. Joe. Yeah. 
Um, have you got have you got any of the skills of Chippy Joe, or are you be- are you better than Chippy Joe with with woodwork? Or I'm I'm <laughs> um, I'm probably as bad as uh, as as he is, and uh, good at jigsaws though. Would, would make the same errors, and uh, that my planing. I think they asked me to do some planing, <laughs> planing in the book, and I actually said, "Am I looking as as if I know what I'm doing?" Because I don't. I perhaps should, if you're right, perhaps I should have met a uh, a carpenter and had and practiced a few things but at the time i remember i remember saying to, to susie belbin what, what am i she said think of something to do you know i said all right well i'll sort of pretend to plane here but but that almost didn't happen because that was just in the rehearsal room and i wasn't doing anything and when i when we did it on the set there i am I'm, i've got a bag of tools which i haven't had in rehearsal so i thought oh well i might as well use the tools so i started attempting to I mean, i've got to obviously plane the door because yeah the door is the thing but, i'm working on yeah but um, and that's the gag, isn't it? You've got. I'm trying to make it fit, so I've got to look as if I'm doing some planing. But in actual fact, of course, very little planing was done. I think it was a, a blunt blade as well. They don't want the actor to have something sharp no. and in, injure I... themselves on set, you know, with the audience in. What was well, nice about that scene was when I first first started. It was, you know, the the um, I think I heard the, the floor manager counted me down. They counted it down and went and went, you know, gave me the sign to say you're on for the door. And I went to open the door to go in for the kitchen and I couldn't get through. And the door wouldn't open the door. So I'm banging on the door and uh, uh, and then we had to stop and start again. I said, and I wandered around the front and said, couldn't open the door, Richard. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Great start. Great to everybody. I got, a, I got a laugh from the studio audience. Which was I was going to say how many takes were there for all that, but obviously things do go wrong uh, in a live studio scenario, didn't they? Yeah, just, yeah, but it's it's quite it's quite. I think the audience is quite like that. With the, you know, the uh, yeah, the the idiocy of some of these errors that happen. You know, and then somebody had to come along. Props had to come along and and, and the, uh, similarly bizarrely, I think shave the door a bit to try and get the door <laughs> to open before before the, the before they'd seen the gag. But she also remember saying to me, Susie, saying to me, um, "Don't do a big reaction when the door smashes the." Uh, the tortoise. What did it smell? No, the meal. The yeah, the yeah, he, he, the he was eating on a tray, wasn't meal. he? Because they, yeah, they'd be burgled. Yeah. When when the um when when the door does that, uh, she said, because I did an enormous oh yeah, in a in, in rehearsal, and she said, no, 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 just just do a. Oh, I forgot to say, I haven't put the hinges back. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's you know you can hear the audience laugh. It's, it's just that's right. You wait for fits. the last to finish. You wait for it to finish. But yeah. what you did, obviously, it worked absolutely brilliant. Because there was when you when you first arrive through the back door. This is how familiar I think Chippy Joe is with the Meldries. You don't come through the front door. You come through the their Indeed. back garden. Indeed. And when Victor with his, you know, he's got a bit of a bad throat isn't he where the bloody hell have you been he said we did say when when you say that line and there's the audience guffaw and laughter but i always wonder was there something cut before then because it sounds like because that is funny but they were absolutely in fits was there something was it like did that take a couple of takes or it just seems like that may have been because that may have been um uh i'd got in through the door i think possibly yeah it was that memory of that i'm trying to think whether it happened again i couldn't get through in for a second time i only remember I remember the first time specifically. Yeah. But it may have been the door didn't open the second time as well. So in which case, when I actually came in through the door, there yeah. was a there was a kind of well of of appreciation that I've managed to walk in <laughs> in the onto the <laughs> set, you know, and came in the right way, you know. A lot of characters throughout the series do come through the back door as they be, you know become more familiar with the Meldries, yeah. but 
Yeah. Do you, um, would you have seen Annette on the day? Because you weren't in the scene with her, were you? No. Anyone else? No, I didn't. Well, no, I, I think I... I you um, have seen her off out, outside yeah, the studio yeah, or I something? Yeah, I rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no, I was specifically in that scene, so I didn't. She wasn't... Um, I think we'd gone after and afterwards. I hung, I hung around, and had a drink with them all. So you know, as you do, you go into the bar, yeah, chat. You, so uh, yeah. yeah, you you mentioned um, you interviewed for the role of uh, Martin Trout. Were there any conversations around you returning either as Chippy Joe or a new character, or was that was that that was that it? <laughs> Sorry, but no. If they were, I was wasn't a party to them. Oh, but that's a shame. You you always <laughs> presume that you might be in as that character. I suppose once they've got you as a diff- same different character in there. In the third series, you know, you 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 hoping <coughs> might be in the fifth series, but by then the they changed the director, didn't they? Um, yeah, Chris Gernon came in, didn't she? Uh, yeah, and I, she on. didn't she didn't know me, so that was the end of that. Although she was part of the the, the crew from from day one. Was she though, before? So she, was she? Yeah, so, she was a runner, and she was she you know she did assist Susie, so she she slotted oh, well, perhaps, in. And, perhaps you know she didn't like me. <laughs> very unlikely very unlikely. it could but, be a silly um, que- it could be a silly question did you prefer the role of chippy joe over market stallholder or were they both uh, different experiences that well, chippy joe to- was on location mm. uh, sorry um market stallholder was on location so i didn't go into the um uh into the bbc tv center to do it i didn't it was uh. it was just shot um you know outside on film cameras so um it was just that was it it was it was you, you turn up you know the lines you do it you know it's not you haven't had any rehearsal for it. So right. um, it's a very different experience. Mm. And I say all you're dealing with is Richard. Richard was lovely, very friendly. And I saw him a few times after that, and he always remembered me for that. And then we had the the Chippy Joe was obviously much more of the proper setup because you go to all the go to the rehearsal rooms, I think in Acton. I think we were in Acton rehearsing it. Yeah. So you're part of that, you know, which is nice to be part of that team. So you're going to meet all the actors mm. there and meet that's met meet Annette, obviously. And and um Annette's mum, sorry, Annette's son was a is a used to be um i think he still is and then he was in a band and then he was a an engineer at i think he was at um jungle in in soho at the time and so he right. was a friend. so there was a nice connection with her because i could say uh, owen his name that's i know owen i could say uh, okay so the, oh that's uh, that's interesting to know there's there's sort of their family connections there with the show yeah yeah uh, but when you have if you remember i, know, I appreciate this it's like 30 years ago or so but do you recall where like the likes of David, what David Raymond was, was was he just looking on next? Yeah, to... he was on. Yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah. I worked with David on a remember the name of the episode on a um Jonathan Creek. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's you, a series of the Sands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. I, it took me years to realise that was you until I looked at IMDb, look at the credits. I thought just you just look totally. Is is that down, that was down to makeup or? How you act? I, I wasn't. Both, wearing, but... I had a, they gave me a moustache for Chippy Joe to differentiate. That's, me yeah, that's true. From, yeah, um, which I did, hadn't grown myself. It was a, a fake one. It's a fake one. You looked um, older than your years, like as an act, as the character. Obviously, not you, but they made you look. I, mean, I think perhaps they may have, made, yeah, put some makeup on and made me look a bit older because yeah. I've been quite young as the um, as the storeholder. So, yes. Uh, Bit more baby, um, bit more baby faces. Yeah, yeah, older. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I had longer hair as well. So, um, but no, David Rennick, wonderful, wonderful writer. My goodness me, what oh, a so good. what a magnificent writer, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He's retired now, apparently. Which I, I'm sort yeah. of, I don't know how you retire as a writer. I don't know why you'd want to when you were when you you just c- could create such brilliance. I mean, yeah, it, one foot in the grave with brilliant writing for such a, so funny. 
And similarly with with Jonathan Creek, he'd made that, that those characters very amusing. It was uh, well, he's you know. got he's got the he's, he'd written the stage play for Jonathan Creek and One from the Grave. He's decided not to go ahead with it for various reasons. I think it's artistical differences or whatever the phrase is. I think it's a lot of hard work for David to get what he needs on stage. And you know, no, when you when you when you got his ca- take that his, out of his out of his you know his I his, I think he'd want a problem. He was yeah maybe. For me, he was he wanted you to say all the lines that he'd written. If you gave a, a different line or a different interpretation, he would yeah. get the script supervisor to come and tell you, "No, that's not what he wants." And he, I would, did, I have he heard say, this. Yeah, he would say, "You need to." The script supervisor, frequently a woman, would say, "No, you need to say it like this." David right. has told me to tell you to say it like this. To be absolutely honest, I absolutely agree with him. I think mm. he's spot on. If he has written a gag. And he's written a line that he thinks needs to be given in a certain energy and needs to be said. And the response is going to get a laugh or whatever. He is spot on. I mm. think when you are as clever as him and as and as so in touch with rhythm, with mm. lines, it's absolutely he's obviously he's well within his rights. But it's it's necessary because in Jonathan Creek, in fact, I got a couple of lines back to front and the script supervisors kept, no, no, you have to do the pause there and then you have to wait a second, then say the line. I said, yes, you're absolutely right. I do apologise. I try and write myself. And if if people just invent their own dialogue, frequently mm. the number of times there's a there's an echo of something or a line <clears throat> coming up and yeah. it gets in the way. And he, he's, he is such an immaculate writer <laughs> that you just, you, you give in immediately. You bow down to his... Is brilliant because, as I say, I can't. I really can't blow enough smoke up his backside here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's a phenomenal writer. I'm very privileged to have had him on this podcast a few times. If you ever have uh, a moment, your car journey to Chelsea game away or <laughs> walking a dog, <laughs> listen to, listen to what he's got to say because he does actually say if an actor, actress, whoever suggests an alternative one line or for example he he'll definitely listen to it and peter cook had um adjusted a couple of his lines and he obviously was absolutely fine with that well peter but cook it, is a peter cook is a, peter a, cook. yeah is a slightly wonderful himself yeah uh, comedian known for his improvising and creating comedy yes. out, of, out of a, a sketch that was probably just a sketch and yet he's made it into a a, a superb creation so uh perhaps he's allowed he gave into that 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 the, the odd, yeah maybe yeah the pre- amusing pre- moment from peter cook but uh yeah when did you last watch your appearances <laughs> and what did you think did you, did you enjoy watching it back or do you sort uh, of yeah, probably God, think about... uh, yeah i haven't watched it for ages it's on my youtube page um um both of them are um i don't it's not something i pour over uh, luckily i've done yeah. a lot of work you've done so, loads uh, of stuff haven't you yeah, really? yeah i've done, I've done, done loads. so i i, I tend to but no, I'm 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 proud of them. I'm pleased I was associated with it. It was a fabulous series, fabulous, and I'd love love to have been something else in it, you know. And um, I worked with Owen quite a lot, and then Owen got a, a good part in it, and I was very pleased for him because he's terrific. yeah. I had again the privilege of having Owen on the pod. That went down really well. People yeah. absolutely loved hearing what he had to say. Yeah, he's obviously really charming as well. Do you keep in touch with any of the the cast? Yeah, we're, we're, I'm I'm uh, not as much. I'm, I was in a band years ago and he came and saw that and we and i did an episode of doctors and he was in that um yes he was so, he was uh, there for many years wasn't he yeah and i think he directed a few of the episodes as well so uh, okay we did, yeah. a, we did a, a slightly inept ser- series in um which we did at edinburgh we we're in a show in edinburgh together it wasn't a great experience but uh, um, uh right but uh, i think that was um comedy wavelength it was called which right. had been channel four we did an edinburgh version of it as well 
but they were talking 1990 something we're talking into the the mists of the past i'm, I'm trying to think else who else i knew in it um of course i mean richard aside i mean two significant episodes with richard over the years, did you keep in touch with him, or is it? No, just I, I didn't. I, there was a period where I did several voiceovers with him around about that time as well. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it was, yeah. um, but no, then subsequently, I, I I immersed myself in voicing and um, not doing much acting, and uh, lost contact really. I'd see him at the odd social occasion, but it, even then, I think he, after a bit, he, he not that he forgot who I was. I think that my status diminished somewhat in the world because I was all I was doing was voicing. So yeah, I'd go you, and so I'd say, hello, Richard, nice to see you. And he'd be doing, oh, I'm not sure he remembered who I was after a bit, to be quite Well, honest. you say diminish. I mean, blimey, uh, Harry Potter, Star Wars, World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft yeah, sorry, yeah but it's it's all a bit invisible. You know, it's it's the an, an, anonymity of of uh, of voicing. It's um it's bizarre. You can you can be in everybody's front front room, everybody's <laughs> lounge, everybody's sitting room uh, every evening. But, you know, you're not you're not actually there's nothing visual about you doing it you know no, so, sure what you know, what are your um your your favorite comedies you know certainly of modern times it's not uh, fraser wonderful fraser fraser completely wonderful okay. yeah wonderful writing wonderful performing i mean there's a resurgence now which you believe for pipkins of course which i did um oh, right 40 years ago i was tom in pipkins which is now classical kids and uh, <laughs> i think that's going to my obit will say well, it was Tom in Pipkins just because um, people seem to remember that because um, they were growing up when that was that was taking place. I did about 75 episodes of that. Uh, the comedy stuff I liked immensely was, um, I'm afraid, mostly it's American, I'm afraid. And yeah, obviously, One Foot in the Grave and obviously... Um, is the right answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, but I still... <laughs> it is fantastic. And um, uh, and, uh, and David Jason, what do you call it? Um Horses and horses, yeah, wonderful. He's he's great. I did. A, I was. I did a show where he directed. Was his first directing. I did something called The Quest, where I played. There were the three boys going on a going back as a how they one of them lost their virgin, virginity or something going back there. So it went back into the fifties. I was the the dad of the boy in the fifties, which um, he directed. And he was. Uh, I never actually worked with him as a, a in a scene. I never did scenes, but he directed that really capably, and he was. What's he, what's he what's he like as a director, David Jason? Well, sweet, you know, charming, was helped, had a yeah. assistant who said, I think you could do that and shoot it like this. And he went, yes. Yeah, okay, I had the idea for this. And they went, No, I think you need to shoot it from the other side through through the kitchen window. Let's do that. Okay, let's it was there was a it was his first directorial job. I did right. sure many after that, but but he um you know, very capable, but also very affable. You could see that one of the reasons he was not only was he an excellent comic, he was he was an excellent comic actor. He was a sweet man. Uh, you know that really does help. Um, my trying to think. My father worked with him. Uh, my father bizarrely worked with an episode in an episode of Do Not Adjust Your Set in 1967. I did. I did spot that on IMDb. Yeah, that's that's quite. Yeah. That was kind of pioneering stuff, wasn't it? It was. What, it was. what were you influenced? comedy-wise growing up, I suppose, through your father, certainly. Uh, but... I'm sorry, I'll read that again, uh, Round the Horn, and also b- bizarre programmes that he would mention, the, the bits of... But, but yeah. he realised they'd tell a joke and it was actually from an Al Reed radio pro- radio <laughs> show, you know. <laughs> the little phrase, you know, uh, right monkey, and uh, my mother used to say, joke over, joke over, which I think was something that went back to, you know, 1930, 1935 or something. Um used to play masses of Laurel and Hardy stuff and uh, all the all the silent big 
big performance. Cyclical. I mean, my dad was originally a, an impressionist. So that's probably where I got the abilities to do accents from. And, uh, okay, that's influenced uh, and there, yeah. Before he started acting. And he um, and he loved our, um, Sid Field, who was a wonderful sketch actor who died in the four, in his four, uh, 1948, I'm 49. Big, big performances, big characters, big. Sid Field always used to do a stage trip as he came on came on the stage, which uh, we always got regarded. So it, it sort of it, any pompous character would then slightly fall over, which the audience always just recognised as as him taking the mickey out of this character that he was playing. But uh, uh, if you look at some of the sketches of those on YouTube, they're, they're yeah. brilliant. But he was, so he was a big sketch performer, my dad. And he then, the, at the infancy of TV, was in, there was a, a, a programme called How Do You View, which was Terry Thomas's sketch series and he was in that the very first bbc sketch series i think and um was it he then went on and it was did work with dick emery and peter butterworth and um and dennis norden wrote stuff he was in all these these sketch series himself so once again that's the kind of thing i i've obviously i i i to be passed down to you yeah, through yeah. the uh, but even even not, not even subliminally it was stuff that he was doing at home or he'd say and yeah. he'd, he'd point things out to me on the box so you you ultimately get your being influenced by that as well and i so we laughed at the same things but he loved um all the silent movie people um mark's brothers was your dad a big chelsea fan let's yes, talk about chelsea yes, with, with yes. This football element to the podcast i have listeners is there always a football fans? element to the podcast There's always so t- tell me about your podcast then um we, we i do something called the chelsea fan cast and we i do something called the uh the fan bite which is i do a a two-minute rant uh, normally it was a rant last season about uh how incompetent the team is <laughs> and uh, how they're playing which is i watch a, i watch a game and then um so immediate make, make it two minutes so i can write about so it so it can fit onto twitter oh uh, sorry onto x i do apologize it's a, it's a, a zitter are yeah, you yeah, are, yeah. You, are you like so yeah that's i discovered you on twitter through that right that your rants your infamous rants and they're very funny um, and is that just ad libbing, or have you scripted that? Because no, but I get some note, put notes down, and I, I make notes with the game, and then uh, yeah. remember, little, remember little little bits and uh, have them written on a piece of paper. If I'm it's really, it's it's really funny, and it as a Manchester United fan, it, I actually was found myself just wanting to. I listened to a few episodes with yourself in just to hear you're a lot more calm in, in, in the, on the Chelsea fan cast, but your immediate post-match reaction is so yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend. Well, I've, had, I've had a bit of time to wait for the Chelsea fan cast. It's on a Monday. We it's do, a Monday, right? we, we yes. chat about the, the prospects and <clears throat> I have been known to lose my temper, particularly about referees. I'm actually a qualified referee. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, do, do, you ref, I, do you have a referee or do you not? No, really no, no. I, I, I did it originally because I got a tenner a time and I was going out with a girl who was quite expensive and um, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't I wasn't acting. And uh, right. it, it was there was a plastic pitch. It was the era of the plastic pitches just down the end of the road. I used to turn up there and say, anybody want, want a proper ref? And they go, oh, yeah, we want <laughs> Yeah. And so I get a tenner for that and I'd run around. And the just trouble get- was that she didn't. She said after a bit, I don't think I want to go out with you anymore because I don't want to go out with a ref. <laughs> She said, "I don't like the fact that you've you always you always put your put your cozy on. You always put your refs outfit on before you go and drive to the drive to the pitch." Um, with, uh, with with that comment, you gave her a red card. You never saw her again. Out, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think she. Somebody's. I think she gave me the red card. That was the problem. Um, her loss. Uh, well, her loss. Uh, yeah, yeah. she could have was... been part of the Chelsea fan club. So this it's a big podcast. You got a big big old following. Uh, well, bizarrely, yeah, we've got forty two thousand followers on Twitter, and we've got. Um, uh, two hundred and fifty thousand on Facebook. I'm not convinced how many people 
um, actually listen to it. I know they they can download it off the site. So yeah. that's where I think you get the we get lots of people say love listening to it. I, I download it and I listen to it when I'm on night shift. You know, you get that kind of thing. Or it's it's we do a preview show as well on a Friday and we do the odd. Um, we get sent lots of emails. So we do an odd program called In Off the Post where I read the emails out with yeah, yeah. with uh, David Chidgey, who's called Stanford Chidge, who's the who runs it. We're a kind of double act, really. So it, it's um, but it's it's just our observations. What I love about it is is absolutely don't make any money out of it at all. Um, uh, Tell me despite, about it. Despite other people around the world, you know. Um, particularly people who've never come to the matches um, have is having subscribers and uh, uh, earn them, you know, but it may, they make a living out of it, you know, thousands a week chatting about something they're only watching from a distance, you know. Have you had any of the uh, past or present players on? Obviously, I haven't. Well, no, we do something. Catalog. We do. Um, we do uh, evenings, uh, afternoons at a place called the Troubadour in Earl's Court, where we speak to to uh, past players and interview them. Yeah, we do. That. Right. Well, that's we that's do, pretty we, special. Not that's that's. Um, that's not to do with the club. We have no association with the club, I think, because no. um, if if that was the case, they'd probably mute us a little bit. They might ban you, ban you for for your post match. Yeah, we're very but, critical. Uh, very critical. I think it's that's what that's what it's all about, though, isn't it? But, but what I love is the fact I, I went to. I'm, I'm a cricket fan, and I went to Lords <laughs> just before the the, the Ashes, and uh, they were playing on the nursery a team of my playful called the Stage Cricket Club, and uh, I used to play for, but I'm a bit injured at the moment, so um, I went along and watched. Then a guy on the door. I showed my pass and got in and he and after he, he called me back. He says, excuse me, he says, excuse me. He said, Are you that bloke who does the the uh, the fan bites on uh, on on Twitter? He said, because uh, I said, Yes, it's me. He said, I love them. He said, I absolutely love them. He said, They're great. He said, the reason they're great, he said, the reason I love you, he said, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm getting a proposition here. He said, the reason <laughs> the reason I love you, he said, is because he said, you say what I think. He said, yes. and I, I he said, I give it, I send this to my mates, and we all agree, we've watched a game. And we all think that Sterling is shit, for example. And we and de- but therefore, why does he play again the following week? And we don't get it. And you say, why is Sterling playing? Because he, <laughs> I don't get it. And and he said, we love that. We love the fact that you seem to be. What he said, do you know what the reason is behind this? And I said, well, part of it is that he said you and I are the same age. I said, and we've been watching. I said, how long have you been watching Chelsea? Forty years. You, you and me both. So we're watching that long. We both know what we like in a football match. We go and we watch and we look at. We're vaguely up with the fact they're playing four at the back and it changes to a five. We can see that that's happening. But we know when people are crap. But we know the substitutes. Yeah wrong and somebody comes on so but that's something we've got from our experience so all i do is observe a game and say why did that happen why did he bring him on that was a shame he did that why does he always do that it was like watching Havertz last year for example who just sort of nanced about most of the time and you just thought why i don't understand why this person (laughs) is picked every week is there anybody else who could play in his stead or alternatively put him in the position where he can play we all know that he can't play center forward therefore doesn't make it's not very difficult to put two and two together do not play him center forward you know is what my mind says and the the bloke this bloke said to me when you kept going on about Havertz, saying why is he playing center forward he said "I'm, i'm saying into the into the radio he's saying yes why why is he playing to forward? He said, oh, that's what we really like about your stuff. So obviously I've I've grown with it because my dad took me when I was little. In fact, my dad got very confused because when I was six, I, I got my mother to buy me a um a Wolverhampton Wanderers shirt, which was very, very <laughs> confusing. Which, um, and it was only because I like the colour. You know, you, you know, well, this, this colour. 
you know, yeah, it's it's like that colour. Except you look at it and think that's a nice colour. I'll have that. And you're not really realising that 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 was you know a team that yeah. uh, was in the Midlands. And he managed to persuade me, my dad, that it would be difficult to get to the Midlands, particularly since he always went to Chelsea. And then he was in an era where he went to Chelsea and Fulham. Very few people went away, and he actually went into the enclosure. At, at the cottage, and now we're all seated, but you're standing yeah. at the enclosure, and there'd be about 20 other actors there, and they'd all gossip and swap information <laughs> about casting. And so he'd go to Fulham the following week, and he'd go to Chelsea the following week, but he had a season ticket at Chelsea. And then he started to take me, and we'd we'd go with mates, there'd be about four of us, and that was an era where you could walk round the ground, so you'd go to the end where Chelsea were attacking. You know, it, it was a slightly naive commercially for Chelsea, but this is, you know, in the 60s. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But it was... So th- th- then it was then it was pretty obvious that I wouldn't support Fulham or Queen's Park Rangers. <coughs> I Queen's Park Rangers because they were in the third division. But I like the hoops. You know, the trouble is you like the shirts when you're little. You think, oh, I like that. Well, I could, you know, I like that one. Yeah, I no, I, I totally, I totally understand that. But yeah, your post-match rants are, are epic. That's how I describe it. You yeah, know, thank how, you, thank you very how, much. How 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 you your your range of vocabulary or the just how you piece together these like the sentences slagging off your players and <laughs> well to, I'll, I'll prepare, to prepare, and I'll prepare dry. the sentence oh, there's a there's an element to, I mean I'm an actor there's preparation yeah, yeah. in it you know there's Fair preparation you. in it. It, it you just think and in fact somebody said to me you know do you just do it immediately and I said well the worst was I think 29 takes because it gets too long or, it's, <laughs> or somebody walks in or I I cock it up you know it's the other thing you cock it up because you can't remember what you're saying you know I, I think it's doesn't work but thank you if anybody looking at this it's um i just posted i've got a jonathan at jonathan kid is on is my on my twitter so uh you you, can see they're up there but and that we're on um chelsea fancaster on instagram as well so they're up there okay i mean even if you're not a football fan fan, yeah yeah but even if you're not a football fan those two minute rants are very amusing but yeah apologies to any non-football fans actually i got told off um, this weekend for who by for not by lots of the fans for not because oh, you too because you're too yeah cool because chelsea played well yeah so. they, played, exactly. <laughs> they, they said they said i'm not sure i i like you as much because you're you were, you were very laid back about it and said we played quite well actually they didn't like God. it weirdly you're gonna be you're gonna be looking on the bright side of chelsea lose because you know what well, i've got yeah. some content here victor melger is an arsenal fan did you know he's he went he, to an well, arsenal victor game Melger, he made him an arsenal fan did they made him an arsenal he's a man united fan with he's a big Man United fan, but he's as in Rich Wilson. But Victor's yeah, yeah. an Arsenal fan. I was uh, in a series called Chambers, which was about two two thousand playing a clerk of the court. It had Sarah Lancashire in it and um, rest of the cast. Uh, mine's gone, but it was. Um, um, I, I, I was asked what team would I like to support. Ah, uh, there was an episode about I was going off to a football match. I said, "Ah, oh, has to be Chelsea. Has to be." And similarly, I was in um, Alas Smith and Jones. And, uh, yeah, um, and I simply was Lots asked, "Would I like to support a? Would I like to support a team? Which one would it be?" I'd be Chelsea, please. And they, I actually got a <laughs> got a shirt from that period because he had to have a shirt with him, and they let me take it away. So not bad. Would you? Would you ever? That's a silly question, but would you play a role where you had to wear a Tottenham shirt or a Fulham shirt? Or well, I think oh. if I was being paid for it, you you can't really kind of, object, yeah. can you? But at the same time, I would be I would be within. I would be hurting. Yeah, you do it. You do it. You do a post acting rant on that, wouldn't you? If you had to wear, yeah, I would probably say I had to wear this. But let you know, if you watch this, you will see that I I had to take it seriously, and I did. Oh, but at the same time, within I was <laughs> I was crying in my in my suit. Fantastic, and even though it's Chelsea, kudos to you for building up a big following there. I just Do thought we'd um, 
thanks you for covering all things Chippy Joe Marcus Storeholder. But I have a, a little short quiz um, on your episodes, and there's only five questions. Oh my! Uh, there is. I think it's all. It is all Chippy. So just to test your memory, really. Are you are you ready? For, are you ready for this, Jonathan? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm you ready? I'm, as ready I'm, as you ever be. I'm assembling the the grey matter. I've okay. eaten. I've eaten a lot of fish specifically for this, just in case. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know how work in your favour or not, but all right. Well, question one: What what day did Chippy Joe turn up at the Meldry's house? Uh, it is mentioned. We did say Wednesday, didn't we? Correct. One out of one. Thank you. Well, that was because we we did that. We, we did mention it earlier. Yeah, yeah. You set me up for that. You set me up, everybody. <laughs> told us to say that. Yeah. Question two: How many hours had Victor waited for you to turn up originally? So he mentioned it in the previous scene. Yeah, you mentioned. I've got no idea. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gamble. Just for I guess. Guess they never know. Uh, twenty-four. Four hours. Four. Okay. So he said he waited in for four hours. Okay. I've waited in for four hours. Why can't people turn up? As as an actor, like that would have. I, I always wince at Richard Wilson straining his voice for that long with such. I, I think you can do it by not really doing it. Right. You can slightly pretend. You know, just put the top. That's not really straining my voice. Right? You know, going like that, that would be awful. It's very convincing. Of, it's very convincing. Hey, hey, perhaps I should do it for a living. There are a couple of there are a couple of occasions when you well, listen when you see it through. I remember this is from memory. I think I was thinking, oh yeah, he's just pitching it slightly at the top there. He's not really because he's almost <laughs> sounding as if he can speak. You know. Yeah. Um, a feeling for him at the time, thinking, "How have you managed to maintain this, mate? You've got to do it. You've had to do it all week. You know, good for him." Of course, his, his voice does get better in that episode, and he ends up getting arrested anyway. But of course, um, of question three: Sorry, what was what work was Chippy Joe there to do? Probably uh, quite. Uh, well, the door, obviously. Yeah, specifically. Specifically, well, he was trying to make it fit because it was sticking. Okay, and that's nice and easy. Question four: Victor was mistaken for which person at the pub in the scene with Richard Davies? Now, here's an interesting thing. I've never watched the episode. You've never watched your own episode? Yeah, all I've watched is me. Now, that is interesting. I, that I, is, I can't, that I'm amazed by utterly, that. Utterly vain, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, isn't so it? if David Renwick listens to this, he might, he might, have to get, he might get on the phone to you to, uh, to press you. I'd love you it. For... <laughs> I'd love to speak to him. He's a genius. I'd love it. I'll, pa- I'll, I'll, I'll pass on his email address to you if, if you want. He, <laughs> he, 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 terrible thing of... of, of I'd only fast forward it looking for my bit. <laughs> well, you're not going to get the, the this this question might be a bit impossible then. Yeah, try, yeah, try it. I'll be intrigued. You say it again. Which was what? what was so it? Victor was mistaken for which person at the pub in the scene with Richard Davies? Which person was he mistaken for? So yeah. he 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 was yeah he so Richard Davies character Billy. I don't know if you saw Richard Davies on on set. I know different scenes, but did you do you remember seeing him around? He, yeah, he, I'd have met him. Yeah, he he sees Victor. They haven't seen each other since school days, and he says, "You know, after five minutes of chatting, eventually." Was he know, the guy who was in Please Sir? Is it is that is that Richard Davis? He was he played the Welshman. Welsh he's well, he's a Welsh actor. He would have been in that, yes. Yeah, but he he thought Victor was someone excellent, else. He's, excellent, excellent comic actor, really excellent. I don't remember. He's what I think he's quite a legendary actor, isn't he? He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my dad worked with him a few. Not times. the nine o'clock news. I, I remember seeing him in amongst other things. But yeah, no, that would make sense. But he had that kind of status. He was he was. Um, He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I remember. I obviously yeah. must have seen it sometime that the episode. But I, I'll be quite honest with you, as I say, I'm dreadful. It's like when you get given a script as an actor, the first thing yeah. you do is look to see how many lines you've got. You're not going to go. <laughs> I'll read this all the way through. You go. Where? Where, where am I? Where's, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Go, you think? Hang on. I did something recently for um, uh, for Apple on Apple, which is nobody will watch because it's on Apple. 
called Angel, and um, and I, I thought I'd have. And I, my my agent, my agent, when I got it, I had to do a, a self tape from home, which I hate as I like going in and meeting everybody. Yeah. I did the self tape, and he said, and he, he's very like that. My agent, he said, um, did you got it? He said, you got it. Well done. Well got it. I said, oh, fantastic. I said, he said, uh, he said, oh, it's about you know, thirty two words. And I went, what? I said, well, how much is that? What's that? What's that? Tell us any of the script. And I'm going, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was a nice scene. I had a scene and it was pleasant. But you once again, you're always thinking, will he come in again? Do you do well, that? Yeah, there's looking you know, through everything, looking through yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. Well, yeah. anyway, with this scene, the joke is he's slagging off someone called Victor Meldrew and he thinks he's someone else called uh, Steve Posnett. But that's by the by. Okay, we three out of four so far. Final question. Oh, no, I got that other one wrong about four hours and 24 hours. I didn't. Oh, sorry. No, it's right. It's very I'm willing to admit far. that I've got stuff wrong here. I'm, I'm willing to admit. Yeah. You're very you're very honest. And I've got a feeling you're not going to get the final question. Yeah. <laughs> why was why was Victor arrested? Actually, you might actually. Why was Victor arrested at the end of the episode? Was he arrested at the end of the episode? If you think of me, you might you might get this depends on how much you've watched before your scenes or just if it's just your scenes you don't, don't, don't know if you'd uh, he was actually pleased to be arrested because he was bored out of his mind and he loves police drama detective uh, series and he was quite keen to be arrested just to go down to the station just to get out of the house which is again part of a uh, quite a layered joke far too clever for me to, uh, to make up because I can't remember <laughs> it uh, well yeah he was arrested because um, because of his strained voice and because of the the telephone signals um, tuning into the radio, every, when he, when he eventually would get through to British Telecom, he was being misunderstood for using quite blue language over the phone. Because he he came out the sh- in one he came out the shower in one scene, and then he said, "I'm dripping wet, and I've just gone out the shower, and I'm trying to work the tele or something along those lines." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he gets misunder- misconstrued completely. Of course, he- that, a, a typical David Rennick uh, setup. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you got yeah. What's that? So three, two, two out of five. You it's know. pretty pretty feeble, but you know I'm I'm pleased that the first one was great because you'd set me up for that one, and the <laughs> the second one, the third one was was you know what was he working on? Well, obviously the door because you know when he was playing it to make it fit because that's the gag. Yeah, that was the All, great gag. What, I was wondering if you what, might the say the audience went absolutely mad when the door landed on his food, <sighs> and the trouble is you look back at that scene and you think he's set it up completely by putting the the uh, the food right in the right place there was a, a mark there obviously and if yes. i had to go again because he put the they put the food in the wrong place on one yes. of the episodes and the door came around and missed came down and missed the food if i remember rightly so can you can you sort of if you what if you have watched that scene back in recent times can you sort of almost hear the audience laughter in your mind just does it take you back to the the studio when when it was all filmed nah no, okay. <laughs> but, uh, there's me thinking of a nice prolonged answer. Yeah, it really does hit me. Yeah, right there. No, it's just yeah. it was a job writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. part of the one foot in the grave history. So yeah, yeah, wonderful to, be, to but, be part of that. But at the same time, I you know, I'd like to be in it more because it was yeah. great. It was great, really great. I, I think it worked. If he came back as Chippy Joe again to fix oh, something I'd else, I'd love Chippy Joe to have been a to been a regular character. Oh, that would have been so fantastic. I'm sure David might have thought about it, but he's obviously got so many ideas to try and squeeze into a 30-minute episode or a, a particular special. It would have been so interesting to see him in one of the Algarve, albeit Peter Cook's role or a different role. That would have been a nice holiday to Portugal, of course, wouldn't it? Yeah, once again, it's not something that, you know, I, I, I would have been nice, but uh, the, the trouble is with these things is you go away. I remember did a, I did a, a, a commercial for... Um, 
lower fat crisps for some solo i think it was called years ago and we were it went to florida and everybody said oh great you went to florida and the trouble is is you you arrive and you go to the hotel and then you're called for six o'clock the following morning <coughs> costume and you get into costume and then you then they say right we're going over to the the set was a the bounty was a replica of the bounty which was in the bay because i'm yeah. playing a, a pirate kp that's right kp pirate i was that is on my website if anybody wants to talk, which is jonathan kid tom and um uh <laughs> and in fact now i think the fact it's been destroyed it was destroyed in a um um hurricane or something the ship but anyway we went on there then we're there all day all day shooting this over and over again and you then finish at the end of the day and they and you're knackered and they take you back to the hotel you have a meal and you fall asleep because you're being called at six o'clock in the morning well early five o'clock <laughs> in the morning for the following morning and you go back out there and you carry on you're there all day and it's great the sun shining of doing all the carries all the palaha, <laughs> pushing people off planks and saying lines and the masses of extras being uh, sorry supporting artists being pirates and you do it ah, blah, 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 blah. and you finish and they go right you're off home now because they've arranged for you to get the plane that evening so you spend Two and a half days in Florida, and you don't see anything at all. So um, you know that's that's uh, that's acting for you. You know, it's that's it's get you it, off it, the premises as soon as possible. You know, because although there's if there's some, some sort of, if there's some sort of strike going on, like well, over there at the moment, yeah, you'd be great. You'd be stuck. You, really, you, you stuck. Right. It, it had, well, John Chalice, the late John, he spoke about when he was in Fools and Horses, appearing in uh, Miami twice, particular episode, yeah, filmed in Florida. There, there was a, some sort of dispute over the BBC using some of the locals as as actors out there or pay or whatever it was. It there was a sort of a twelve day delay or something. So he he and Sue Holderness and the crew were just sort of basically holidaying for yeah. free, you know, on the beach, what getting paid. You know, I think uh, it depends so it on the, the budget. Depends on the budget and the uh, yeah. And, by the way, John was a friend of mine. I worked with him a lot. I did lots of voices with him. Okay. I played cricket with him as well for with did Bill. Did you? Back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when he was so... married to Sabina Franklin, it was that period when he was married to her. Right. But sweet man, lovely man, very talented man, very good at voices as well. Really terrific. He he was uh, right into the very end. He was there for the fans, wasn't he? He was doing oh, well, he's doing like cameo um, videos and stuff, but also freebies and interacting with people and yeah it was just all so sudden to everyone who didn't know he was poorly so 79 wasn't he it was not yeah. a bad age but it's a shame he still had many years in him of, oh, uh, many, of acting many very vital but amusing chap just sweet man sweet sweet man yeah wonderful wonderfully i mean very i'm very um pleased to have worked with such talented people you know it's 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 great yeah but for weirdly enough for you're talking about being stuck at places i think that if you go for an ad i think the budget is is very difficult different if you're going filming somewhere i think you're off filming there they almost factor that kind of stuff in that there might yes. be the days where they'll change, yes. change the schedule and move you around what's your proudest moment in, in acting and what's the best job you've done uh, i feel like two different uh, I wrote things. a musical i wrote a musical that was on in um in dublin and uh, 20 years ago and the joy with having i write comedy songs i wrote 24 comedy songs for brian Connolly when i was in his series because I was in the wow. series, I was in this way up, and I was in um, the Brian Connolly show in all the sketch shows. And uh, once again, there's stuff of that on my website. Um, and uh, I, I, one day I went in and I, I said, "What's <laughs> happening, Brian?" Um, we were halting in to stop at rehearsal. He said, "John, he said we haven't got any, I'm got any songs. We haven't got." I said, "I can't. I need some more songs." <laughs> and I said, so I said, um, "Well, I said it's funny. I said, I'll, I'll bring some in tomorrow. I've got comedy songs, and I'm, I'd written comedy songs, and I've got, I had a band called the Condos." And uh, which, in fact, we ended up on um, uh, 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 New Faces, 
I did it as a kind of wheeze. We ended. I did a. Well, we ended up in the final of New Faces. We won our heat by twenty three thousand votes. But I was always writing comedy songs, so I handed him one on a cassette. That was the era it was. It was nineteen ninety two, I think. And um, he said, "Oh, I like this. We'll do this one." And I ended up writing him, um, writing him twenty four songs. So, um, do you play? Do you play an instrument? Or I, you play, sing I, play, I, I play guitar. I play guitar. Uh, I've got. I'm in a band called the Rudy V's at the moment, which is another comedy group. The dilemma is, is it never made me. I never pushed these things. I was in lots you're of reviews. Bu- you're a busy man, aren't you? Well, I, 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 it's, always, it's always trying to keep working. You know, it's always trying to be. Um, uh, I was in. Um, I was 1981 Perrier runner-up at Edinburgh in a show I was in called um, Theatrical Digs, me and two other people. But um, And that, that actually got me into a lot of Radio 4 stuff because once you're almost seen to be a player in that, I did massive Radio 4 stuff in that era. But it, you have sort of surges as an actor where people want you for certain things and then I went off the radar with certain... All the producers you work for move on to other things, move on to television or move into stuff where they can't employ you. So it sort of shifts and you can see that happens all the way through your career. And it's very good to get a kind of view that, you know, it's not that you've, you're not talented. It's not that everything is, has ended for you. It's because things have shifted because it's such a competitive business and mm. pushing up all the time. So, um, yeah, no, but you asked me what the best moment was, was I wrote this show. And one of the songs I wrote was called, I want to be your piece of cheese. And, <laughs> and it was, it was the joy of having, in fact, that's up on a, a separate thing on, on, on my website. Um, the joy of having people, pissing themselves laughing was just joy that's got to be a thrill isn't it i'm sure david yeah. oh, could tell you oh, the I, same. I use joy and joyous in the same sentence but you know what i mean yeah. it was fantastic it was i can't tell you the you just go a bit oh, of God. a thrill i imagine they, yeah they've laughed they, yeah i wrote that to be funny you're not quite sure whether it's going to be funny or not you <laughs> think it might work you know absolutely killing themselves laughing that is um, and I've written four musicals, none of which has been a success, but that's one of the advantages of doing, putting them on in the fringe. And you then think, oh, I could write that better. I've got a, a writing partner that I work with in, uh, who's in America. And we bizarrely write, I send him some, the idea and some lyrics. We wrote a, a, a musical last year for, just for the kid's school that he gets employed to work at. We, and it was a, it was, um, uh, it was something about um, set in, set in the, in, in, in the south in the southwest and was smuggling to ireland and gun running into i was just i don't know where i got it from and I, I wrote it in two weeks i can't believe i did it i sent it to him with all the lyrics as well and he put it all to and of course nothing's happened with it the dilemma of these things is you do them and absolutely nothing happens but at least you can say oh well i'll go at that and i did that but similarly the 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 the, the fringe musicals i've done i i haven't it's been very difficult to to maintain one's enthusiasm if you've done something it hasn't been an instant success just because i've got other things happening you know if i i i was particularly doing at the time i think i was doing lots lots and lots of voiceovers for there was a period where i was voicing l'oreal i did seven years worth of l'oreal i was just used every single day they just got me in every single day to be i i, I was always the they, they said i sounded like um a scientist scientist voice and i thought i decided nothing like a scientist in a white coat i was just the man providing all the medical re you know the all, all the you know boswellocks and all these other <laughs> far-fetched names these these high hyaluric acid stuff that you had to you know had to sell and at the end the model would say because you're worth it you know is that, is that the what is, is that their outfit where the woman's sort of showering in a stream and she's enjoying it a bit too much no no pant- no I think is that, that the rival's pantone no no i think that's the rival oh, I, I, I swore then, the sorry. rival is 
rival is probably owned by the same firm, in fact. Possibly, yeah. Buy. I suppose you've got a, a, a shed load of free L'Oreal shampoos. Funny enough, you house. never get anything. Oh, ever. really? Is that a myth no, then? Oh, okay. The only thing I ever got was I did a, um, I did an ad for the Electric Light Orchestra's Greatest Hits, and they gave me the CD that they'd used to, uh, they'd used on the ad to just to cut all the. <clears throat> the songs up. It's the only thing I've ever been given, ever, other what? than a, other than a Chelsea shirt on uh, a Last Smith and Jones. What about? Have you got your script from the uh, two uh, episodes you appeared in in one for? Yeah, yeah. That's cherry. That's that's put away. Yeah, that's. I have to say, it's not put away in a plastic bag and and bowed to every day. <laughs> it's not that. It's just in. A, it's in a. It's in a box along with lots of other stuff that I was in. You know. You didn't get get to keep the door. That fell out, fell onto Victor's food or anything. Yeah, I don't like know that. how I got it on the bicycle. <laughs> no, yeah. that'd be a bit tricky. Because I was living in Shepherd's Bush at the time, so it was just up the road. So, well, thank you so much for coming onto the pod, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. It's been a, a pleasure speaking to Marcus Stallholder, Chippy Joe, and a man of many talents. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been uh, very good fun. Thank you. And where can where can the uh, listeners find you on Twitter? See your at... I'm at Jonathan Kidd, which is J O N A T H A N K Y double D. Yeah. I've also got something called um, uh, Sam Kid Actor, which is my father, which I run yeah. well um, <laughs> because he's written um, he's written he wrote a book about being a prisoner of war, which I'm republishing, which is a great read actually. Oh, and right. Called for you, the war is over, which sold fifty thousand in 1973. Just about to republish that. I, I've written a um, uh, I'm doing his memoirs because he, he wrote an autobiography that he never published. So I'm using that as a kind of skeleton to put lots of, of information that I've got from uh, scripts and archives and letters. Um, I've done the first volume. I'm writing the second volume and the second volume is quite difficult because there's very little jeopardy in it. Cause all he mm. did was work. All he did was work. The first volume was great because it was easy to write that because he yeah. was, he was having to work in, um, uh, in, in, um, uh, in stores and and um what was the other place he and ballrooms as a manager and just things and it was difficult to get work and he was thinking of giving up which is gives it a kind of you know ebb and flow which by the time he then starts working an enormous amount is slightly dull but right. um uh but so i'm i'm trying to look at all his you got lots of press cuttings of the period i'm trying to add them but anyway just say i'm i'm self-publishing i'm a I've become a publisher as well as becoming a as well as being an actor <laughs> there's, there's not there's not enough hours in the, there, in there the are, day are. i've got, got a seven-year-old <laughs> as well and a, and a 14 year old so that's that's quite consuming. a separate full-time job as well okay. yeah it is, it is. so um, yeah there's a lot going on but um, <laughs> it'd be nice to be doing something that was earning me a bit more money but you know um such is such is life but no it's um it's uh it, it's it, it's all good fun uh, so there's a there's a window into me on jonathankid.com um and i'm on instagram as jonathan kid and i'm on tiktok because <clears> despite being very old i've embraced all these social media i i do you know, with tiktok i've yeah. um embraced it for the podcast and i don't have any personal social media sites anymore but um i thought if there's any more listeners out there they might be through tiktok but then i i'm thinking all tiktok users are really really young aren't they but not the case. No, they're not. Um, not the case. Does does just does Jonathan Kidd follow one for the podcast? That's the big question. Don't think you no, do. I, do. Shall, I shall have to. <laughs> please, please, Matt, please, no, please do. do it, down now. Absolutely. Thank I'll you. It. It's, it's great. It's great to. I'm to... on there as Jonathan Kidd actor, and uh, and also Jonathan Kidd CFC, and I've got more followers on Jonathan Kidd CFC. There's some bloke very nicely on Jonathan Kidd actor. I was doing something called stuff what I did, 
which is just take the little extracts of stuff and yeah. like L'Oreal stuff, like the, um, in fact, I must do the one foot in the grave one. I was going to do that next. Yeah. What I did. So you talk about the stuff and it's only, it's only once again, it's not very long, but it's about four minutes um, stuff you've been in. And I, uh, and I'm also going to do the um, uh, uh, last Smith and Jones and Pipkins. And um, what else have I done? I've done, uh, um, I did the, I was the um, Ferro Rocher voice. I did the ambassador's reception is known for its great taste. That was me doing that voice. And, uh, and I've done <laughs> that. One, and that's been the most popular. I've had about 15,000 hits on that going up more than wow. that. 35,000 hits, I think, just because people are interested to know about the whole of yeah. the one of the um, uh, Ferrer Rocher ad and its inception, because there's a story behind that. But I've done that. That's up there. But some bloke wrote, this isn't you. He wrote. You know, the, <laughs> There's the always one in there on the, the certainty of people on social media. As you love, you know, oh, this isn't you. You're too. You're too young to have done this. You're too young looking to have done this. I said, look, mate. You know, thank you very much for the compliment. <laughs> Sorry, it is me. I did do it's it. It's great. I I always felt I spoke with other fans of One from the Grave. Get kind of caught off guard when Chippy Joe's shaving away the bottom of the door. That's not the right term, I know. And you just make cleaning, a obs- cleaning. Planing, sorry. You make an observation about the the jigsaw, the jigsaw basically being wrong, but you're not referencing the jigsaw. Just the, you know, you got a post, the drain pipe sticking out of postman's leg and something. And you say, Where's that come from? Always oh, talking about Victor's uh, jigsaw, but you don't. When you first watch that, you go, "What's he on about?" And you, re- you make the connection. It's very clever. It still catches me off just for about half a but second. It's the, but it's the it's the cleverness of the writing. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm annoyingly complimentary about um, David Rennick, but there's so much going on in that. You know, yeah. there's so many things for an actor to look at. You know, shampoo the set. Well, that's yeah. a link to L'Oreal, isn't it? You yeah. don't want any off the side or something. You say, "Oh, I love a, I love a shampoo set. Get on with it." <laughs> <laughs> that's not the exact line, but oh, no, so no, I know, but it, I get the the gist. <laughs> yeah, right, very, well, funny, very funny scene. He's, a, he's, a, yeah. He's, Brilliant. Well, Jonathan, yeah, thank you. That was uh, that was a nice roundup, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on for, thank you for coming on one for the podcast. Hope, hope you've enjoyed it. Only trying to be of assistance. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jonathan. Cheers. Love it, love it. Well, well done, mate. Really good. Take good, care. Good interviewing, mate. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Chelsea fan cast my two minute fan by today's game versus United at Old Trafford. Now watching the Blue Boys at the moment is like watching your dog being sick and then trying to work out what is eaten. You're not likely to find out, are you? In the same way, we're never really going to know why our team are so shit. I mean, we can get hints from Frank. Their level of training is poor. He apparently said he suggested it's their fitness. Or did Potter brainwash them into thinking they could take a season off as part of the owner's process? But what is bewildering is this inability to get the ball in the net after they've done all the work. For fuck's sake, let's hope the club buys someone decent to lead the line, not Silky doing his no-coward impression. And please, not that arse Lukaku, who's been stretching his gob in Italy this week, saying how much he loves Inter. Also, we constantly overhit passes in the final third and give the ball away in positions that would have seen Tommy Tuchel bounding up the touchline like a demented goat. Also, that dreadful passing up from the back with as much conviction as your gran on a Zimmer frame, attempting to cross the road at a busy junction. The idea is to lure opposition in bypass them to progress in the space they've left, get up the pitch accordingly, not pass the ball around tentatively like a bunch of school kids playing pass the parcel, Wesley Fafana, I'm pointing at you. Their third goal was given away, you dick, and you gave
gave away the pen, and you missed Casemiro for the header for the, for the first. For fuck's sake! Uh, Simple fact did at least pick the same structure that beat Bournemouth, Wiz and Mundweke, who did give the team a much swifter approach, were actually on top for much of the first half. Very speedy counter-attacks, lots of chances created. Could we put them away? Could we fuck? Connor, Wiz and Silky all scuffed golden opportunities, but Connor, although still a headless chicken at times, was a very good chicken indeed. And Chukwomika, not Chukwomeka apparently, looked pretty good for a bit, but Dave passed his sell-by date with Wesley and Trevor were found wanting. Hall, however, really, really good. Um, United against the runner play, second goal tapping just before half-time. You knew had won it, and nothing in the second half emerged to change this view other than a terrific Felix goal bapping in from just up the, outside the penalty area after a run from the halfway line. Pulisic replaced Wiz and did absolutely fuck all. The other Fofana came on, did fuck all. Zayat came on and uh, I've got the impression Frank just brings everyone on to show the new owners how crap everyone is. Our lowest points total ever in the Premier League, for fuck's sake. I'll be back in the fancast to discuss this game with Chidge and guests tomorrow at 7.30, preview Sunday's Geordie game. Listen on Mixler, download it on ACAST, all good podcast providers, and the you. Come on, Ukraine.